Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Alright, welcome back to the Survival and Basic Badass Podcast, Kevin and Chuck. Today, well, we're going to talk about when things go bad, do your values change? Like, what are you willing to do to protect your family? To, to you know, do you do anything? I mean, is that the most important thing? Or is it more important to go out and be like, well, I did the right thing. You know, mm-hmm. I was a good Christian. Or... I, you know, I helped my neighbor or I was a good Democrat. I gave him everything. Um, You know, I didn't want to see any babies go hungry. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the biggest examples that I've ever, you know, considered is, you know, when you think of things like uh, the Donner Party. Now, the Donner Party was, this story ends in cannibalism. So if yeah, if you haven't heard, hadn't you know, heard you know, spoiler it's, alert. it's not <laughs> not going to end well. And that's that's not the only thing. I mean, there's so many things that I you know want to touch on on this. There's you know so many different ways that the world can turn bad, and it basically you know the what is it? it, it you just keep kind of turning down different paths finding different compromises that you make more and more. And then you're like, well, I already did that. Like, all right. So the world ended, you know, Oh, it's an EMP. These stores are going to be looted. You know, all the groceries are going to be gone. Um, 
do you just go and uh, you know take yours before somebody else gets it? Are, are you down? You're down for stealing right away. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, oh, okay. that's the thing is is a lot of people. Um, it's easy to have have good morals and stick by your principles, right? If you're not hungry and now, you're not cold, right? Now, what happens if you grab the box of chocolate Lucky Charms and there's only two boxes left? You got both of them. And, and somebody got like, their hand hey, on my Lucky yeah. Charms? And they got their uh-huh. hand on your Lucky Charms and you're like, hey, that's not okay. Now, nah. what happens then he punches you in the face? What if this guy's maybe big enough? How to is he going to punch me in the face if he's already missing his his hand? Oh, <laughs> Well, I think you just drew a line right there, Kevin. That's that's what I'm talking about. Now, let, let's talk like let's go down this this kind of ugly road, and we'll we'll get down into the you know the nitty gritty of all this. But the Donner Party. I mean, to me, this is the most extreme example, right? Of right, you know, and this of, is, of what mean, are you willing to do? Yeah, and these yeah. are people that were well prepared they were wealthy very well right massive amounts of of cattle with them massive amounts of gold and silver with them yeah they were wealthy people they had it planned well a two-story wagon yeah we're that's what it said it took eight oxen to pull that one yeah, uh, it was a luxury was, palace, is how. Yeah, it was yeah his daughter, his twelve-year-old daughter, called it the Prairie Palace. Right, the Prairie Palace. See, you're on it. The, uh, but that's the thing. It was. They had all these things, and it wasn't just overtaking our wealth. They actually did a really good job of, you know, stockpiling oxen and food, and they had a lot of supplies. Mm-hmm. Um, And it was well thought out supplies. Now it all kind of went wrong. Um, This guy came out with a pamphlet because, you know, anyway, you can make a buck, you know, I'll put these PDFs on the interwebs about how to, I don't know, grow tomatoes in your backyard and it'll change your world and whatever. This guy put out a pamphlet and it was how to, uh, how to go to freaking California and Oregon. And it was it was, right, I it was uh, Hastings was the guy's name. Uh, the immigrants guide. That's what I was trying right. to of remember. The yeah. Oregon and California to Oregon and California. And basically what he did was he came up with a shortcut. Because everybody Smart. was doing the whole Oregon trail. And mm-hmm. there was a, a Utah trail. Because a lot of people were going out west. This is 1846, a little bit before the gold rush, but there was you know a shortage of land. Right. You know, because they were so overcrowded in the 1800s. You know? Right. 1800s. They're not as Illinois. <laughs> yeah. I used to live in Southern Illinois where these guys started out and there ain't nobody there now. I don't know about uh, 200 years ago. So overcrowded, Kevin. Mm-hmm. They're like, all right, let's go to California. Now there was there was uh, the Reed family. And he has the argument, well, my wife gets headaches, maybe the better California climate. You know, we can, this is uh, Mrs. Reed. I uh, had a, a picture I dug up if you're watching it on the YouTube. Oh, wow. They're, yeah. Oh, they're she's gorgeous. an attractive woman. <laughs> <laughs> she I looks like a, the type of woman that would, that would, that was just a bitch. And you said she had headaches to 
to just know what it is to just be yeah. like, yeah, you know, it's and he's like, anything I can do to get her to just stop. <laughs> and so anyway, they were like, all right, let's check out this Hastings trail. And they ended up when they get down to Missouri, they meet up with uh, the Donner party as two brothers, uh, James and Jacob. And when they get together and the numbers kind of fluctuate as this goes, cause this trip takes several turns, but it's basically 87 people when the Donners and the Reed get together and they head out and they're all down for this, you know, 400 mile shortcut. Mm-hmm. Now what they didn't know was that the guy who just looked at a map and was like, Oh, this looks like a better way. Yeah. Didn't actually try to go out. West and North. If you can yeah. just go a diagonal. Great. Like this is obvious, a straight line, right? Mm-hmm. And so they were going to save, uh, I think it was 400 miles off the trip. And, yeah. and he put By going in right over the Rocky Mountains. That it was, yeah. But he put in his notes that, oh, you'll be able to do it with a wagon. It's no problem. Everybody, uh, you know, this, this is the way to do it. Mm-hmm. So, it's not hundreds of miles of desert. Now, you know, what is not. What is ironic? Yeah, exactly. What's ironic is the day that they decide to uh, head out, like when they meet up together, the Donners and the Reeds, is the same day that Hastings is like, hey, I should check out my trail and see if this is even doable. Mm -hmm. And so he actually is coming from the West Coast. Right. And he's like, hey, I'll meet you guys. And and we'll, uh, you know, we'll head up. So they... uh, they they call it a Laramie Hastings cutoff is, is the shortcut. And he actually hears about their party doing the trip and he sends word ahead and it's like, Hey, I'm going to meet you right at the entrance and I'm going to take you through it. So they're like, Oh, this is going to be sweet. Now, as they start to go, they stop at, uh, they stop at a military base and they're like, Hey, you know what? That's really a bad idea. I would not recommend taking this Hastings cut off. And right. at, at this point, see, I heard some conflicting stories. I, I should have done a little better research. But mm-hmm. at that point, I think the Reed party's like, you know what? Maybe we just stick with with our thing. But yeah, yeah I'm not sure on that one. I don't know. So anyway, so the Donners, the point is what we're willing to do. So just stay with me here. So yeah, the Donner so they, party, everybody goes on. I still like 84 people because they kept acquiring people and, mm-hmm, and losing right. people. They, they're like, no, you know what? We're going to do it. So they get there and Hastings is nowhere to be found. However, they run into another family and they're like, hey, we met Hastings. He went ahead and said, you guys just catch up and left a note. Hey, everything's good. Make it happen. Mm-hmm. So they head out and... They end up getting to, uh, as Kevin said, things kind of turn worse when they get to the mountains. Um, They get to a place called Weber's Canyon. And I saw some pictures. It's not exactly covered wagon friendly. No. And so they, they end up staying and waiting and like, hey, we're not sure what to do. And they stay a couple days and it, it doesn't end well. So, but, but they, they eventually are like, you know what? Fuck it. We have to lose some wagons. We have to lose some oxen. We're just going to keep going. And they push through and they do, and they get through Weber Canyon. Then they end up crossing the uh, salt 
they have to cross the Salt Lake Desert. Now, here's one of the uh, one of the problems here. They're crossing the Salt Lake Desert, and Hastings was like, "Oh, it's just going to take like two days." You, you right, get right nice and that. flat, hard, no hard surface. Just fucking roll right across that thing. The hard surface, not so much. Mm-hmm. So the wagons ended up getting stuck. They lose thirty-two oxen crossing this desert because they're just getting stuck. It's a disaster. They finally mm-hmm. end up, it, this slows them down so much that by the time they get to the Sierra Nevada mountains, there is like four to five feet of snow. And they're like, fuck it. We can't, you know, come through this. This is insanity. And we're, there's no way we're going to be able to power through. So they decide to hunker down for the, the winter. Mm-hmm. And this is where things start to go awry. Yeah. Um, I don't know. So, dude, they they made effort, like, mm-hmm. to not eat each other, right? Right. Like, like, I don't know that they said, hey, let's not eat each other yet. Let's do this. But they were eating the, the marrow out of the bones. They were eating bark off the trees. They were mm-hmm. boiling the hides of the animals and chewing uh, on that, chewing on the leather. Yeah, um, it's not all stuff that you don't want to eat, that you shouldn't then, be eating. Now, nobody really knows how it went, you know, to like, there's conflicting stories coming out of them and you want to think, oh, well, some people just froze or starved to death and then they ate them, but they do know that there were two native Americans that they shot and that they ate. So, Mm -hmm. um, 81 people ended up being trapped at the, the Sierra Nevadas there 45 of the people survived and they said basically about half uh eight people Mm -hmm. right now i mean you know we're moving into the future so i'm in green you know i mean hey yeah and native americans you know yeah are they even people you know that's yeah (laughs) for that one yeah it was the joke if you didn't you know kevin yeah 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 uh, yeah, but so, so I mean, there's a lot of stories coming out now. I don't know how true this is, but I know that a lot of people that eat people, yeah, get a taste for it. Oh, and so maybe you're starving at first, and then you eat somebody, but they didn't really taste great, so you have to kill somebody else and see how they taste. You know, maybe one will taste better, maybe the next one will taste better. I remember reading an interview. Uh, we're reading a news article about an interview where uh, one of the little girls said that mommy tasted the best. That's some crazy stuff. If a little nine-year-old girl told me that she ate her mom, nah, I'm out. I'm out. That's the beginning of a horror movie, man. Um, yeah, no, that that's pretty rough. Yeah. So, so they did. Uh, they did eat some people. Uh, basically, what they did was they got they got stuck in the snow, and they they basically had to hunker down under big pine trees. That's how they originally set things up. They got under the the boughs of the pine trees where the snow, you know, kind of made a depression around the base of the tree, uh-huh. and uh, they'd get in there. But I mean, you know, as you run a fire and stuff, that that snow above you melts, and it's just not possible to really stay warm in there. You're wet and nasty, and yeah, mm-hmm. no, nobody wants any part of that. And that's, I imagine, the wind and the, you know, it just can't be, 
can't be good. And the higher elevation, you got thinner air, just everything is, and it, it goes bad. Um, but that's it. How do you get to that point? Now, you had another story on the whole cannibalism thing. It's not exactly unheard of. Uh, right. This has happened a few times. So yeah, it has happened a couple times. This one is uh, this is one is about um, a rugby team, right? In yeah, Chile? Uruguayan Air Force Flight Five Seventy One. So it was a an Air Force plane uh, that was carrying. Mind people, you, an Air wasn't... Force plane they call the lead sled. So yeah, eh. yeah. didn't yeah it didn't work out as <laughs> as as good as the, uh, the at the flying part, but we'll see. So. Uh, on October 3rd, 1972, a controlled flight in a train due to pilot error mm. uh, crashed in the mountains between Uruguay and Chile. Uh, it was actually in Argentina, in the Andes Mountains. <clears throat> um, there were 45 people on the, pl- on the plane, including uh, uh, passengers and crew. Mm. Um, Twelve of them died initially. But, I mean, that was just the beginning. So what, once they crashed, a lot of people were really fucked up. You know, most of the most of the people on the plane were one of the guys was in a coma for three days. There were some broken bones. And yeah, a lot of people had compound fractures where their bones were like sticking out of them and stuff, you know, like serious issues. And, you know, if you don't have medical help pretty quickly with some of these issues, it's it's just not going to work out. And the pilot had a gun and was like, you know what, just shoot me. It's so bad. He was, and, yeah, he was crushed in between the control right. panel. And, and the they were like, you know what? Wall. We can't do that. But yeah. then he just died right after. Yeah. Right at the beginning, everybody yeah. still had their morals intact. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to kill somebody. I'm not going to help somebody commit suicide because you go right. to hell for that stuff. Go you to know? hell, man. You're, you're yeah. saving you for maternal hellfire. Just tough it out a little longer. Yeah. So they basically wouldn't kill anybody. So everybody just suffered and died first. All the, all the yeah. grievously injured people. Right. Um, ultimately out of the 45 people, 16 people survived. Um, this is what they had for 72 days. This is the food they had on hand, eight chocolate bars, one tin of mussels, three small jars of jam, seven bottles of wine, one tin of almonds and some dried plums for, uh, 33 people to start with. So yeah, that stuff runs out pretty quick. Um, the eight eight chocolate bars were pretty much gone immediately. Uh, said one of the guys for the first week, all he ate was a chocolate covered peanut. But for a week, even for a whole week, the first week he wouldn't eat anything except for that, and still the food was basically gone within two weeks. You know, they were on starvation starvation rations on day one, and the worst part. Well, I guess it's good news and bad news for for them, but they're able to get a radio working. Yes. And they found out they called off the search. Yeah, just in time to find out they called off the search for him. Um, You know, so luckily they weren't, they didn't, you know, they knew that they had to to get out of there themselves if they were going to get out of there. Nobody was going to find them. They were way off course from where they're supposed to be when they well, that crashed. Was so, yeah, when they started going down, the pilots reported that they were a minute away from the airport. And that's why they actually turned. They were heading straight, and they turned to towards the airport. But it turned out they were 11 minutes away. And when you're in a plane and going, you know, 120, whatever, 130 miles an hour, 11 right. minutes is kind of a big deal. 
It, right. it kind of affects your area. They said the plane was just a big white tube and looking for it in the snow didn't really help. Yeah, exactly. It was it was white on white and there's no, you know, they tried to do stuff to make it more visible. But basically, by the time they started like chipping paint off and laying out tarps and stuff, they there wasn't anybody flying over this area that this wasn't a place that was in between two other places. You know, it wasn't yeah. on the way to anywhere. Um, yeah, so so to the guys. So eventually they uh, there's an avalanche and more of the people, you know, were buried in the av- avalanche and killed. And the bodies, what do they call it? Flash freezing, right? When you take a piece of meat and chuck it in the freezer and it freezes quick, you don't have to worry about it spoiling or anything like that. They were flash uh, flash frozen. So after starving and realizing there's no way they're going to hike out of there without right. having any food, without having any protein or calories, they, I mean, that's what they had to do. That was the only real option left other than sitting there and starving and freezing to death. Yeah, no, it's pretty brutal. And that's it. So eventually one of the guys is like, hey, you know, the captain, I was thinking we might want to eat him. Mm-hmm. And this, this is the one that already died. This is the yeah. guy up front that, you know, was like, hey, shoot me. And and basically, I think that's the only cannibalism that occurs. Is that right? On the plane ride? That That's my understanding with this plane crash. Is yeah, I, the think captain, they, I, I, I think they only ate one person. I'm not sure clear on this because I know that they had big discussions about if I right. die, you can't eat me. If I die, you can't eat me type of stuff. Right. I mean, hey, I'm the guy that says no. That's a no go. Nobody wants. Yeah. Well, I mean, really, I, you're you're pretty selfish that if you won't let your buddies, you know, eat yeah. you. I mean, really? Come on. Mm-hmm. I think we've had this discussion. You said that I couldn't eat you mm-hmm. in, a, in a worst case situation. And you and said, I said you would anyway. Right. Everybody right. can eat me. If I die, everybody can eat me except for Chuck. Right. That sounds right. <laughs> There's no meat for you, dude. Like you're gonna be greedy with your with your with your meat. Now you can't have any of mine either. Yeah, no, that, that's a little rough. No. Nope. Yeah, alive is yeah, alive is the name of the movie that, that, that was based on this event. Yeah. Oh, the chili guys? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, that definitely is a true story all day. Um that, that definitely happened. Um they uh yeah, no, that's rough. And, and that's the thing. I mean, you can go a long time without food, but you lose energy. You 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 lose reasonable thinking. Yeah, there's a lot. There's well, a lot more to it, you know, because people people don't generally go from having a full two thousand calorie a day healthy diet one day to the next day right. having zero calories. That's not really how how that how works. You do it? No, you know, you're trying to squeeze in anything that you can get that that you can eat, you know, any calories here and there and slowly kind of dwindle away. There's a lot of side effects from starvation. You know, I know people say three weeks, right? Takes three weeks to starve. That's with going from a healthy diet to no food. But you can stretch it out and just make your life miserable for months. And they did a study with these these guys in uh, uh, Minnesota. Uh, during the Second World War, um, they got, you know, several healthy young men that, you know, they put them in the study instead of sending them to war. Basically, sure. it was like, you know, a trade-off type thing. Oh, that's a and good they, deal. They started shorting them on food to, like, give it a test run. You know what I mean? See see what really happens. So, it went from a, half, uh, a full diet for two months 
you know, they'd fed them and regulated all the food to half half diet. And, uh, you know, things start out going somewhat normal. You're a little bit hungry. It's not a big deal. You're a little bit hungry. But things get worse and worse over time, right? As you start, as you start uh, being in that calorie deficit over a longer and longer period of time, and there's several, like, effects that has on your mental health. Right. So immediately the first one is, is confusion. You know, you know, your, your concentration gets worse. Um, then you start thinking about food all the time. You dream about it. You daydream about it. You just kind of zone out thinking about food. Um, you hoard your food. This is something that a lot of people don't realize, but you, when you're in a starvation mode, you start hoarding things, not just food, but you know, everything in general. And even if you're the only person and you've got all the food, sometimes you won't even eat it because you're saving it for later. And there's a lot of people that have starved to death with food. You know what I mean? They had food, but they didn't want to eat it until they needed it. And And they missed that window. They were just too confused. Like your brain doesn't work right. Uh, So it uh, leads to the depression. Depression is a major effect. Irritability and anger. Who hasn't been hangry? You know what I mean? Yes. That's that's one we're yes. familiar with. Um, you're more prone to hysteria, just losing your shit over nothing, you know? Maybe that's because I'm always hungry all the time. <laughs> maybe that's why I'm angry. Yeah, maybe that's now it. That fits. That tracks, yep. Yeah, and reduced uh, strength and coordination obviously comes with reduced calories, but those are the major findings of that study. <clears throat> and I don't think I think a lot of people miss that though is the damage on your mental health yes, that that sort huge. of thing can have. No, it really does. And and that's you just start making poor judgment calls. You know, that's the kind of thing. Like people are like, oh well, you know, I go all the time. I don't cut myself with my pocket knife at the hatchet or right. whatever. And then they're like, Why in the apocalypse? You know, in every story, somebody cuts their hand with the hatchet or the knife. Right. One, you are, you know, in, in these scenarios, you're typically doing things that you're not normally doing. However, on the flip side, everything starts to slip, your coordination, your mental ability, all this mm-hmm. stuff. It really makes a difference in how alert that you are when you go from one to the other. You know, and also, like, to be honest, I mean, a lot of stories came out of the military and, and different times where you can learn to function in these reduced calorie states and things like that, but there's a learning curve, you know, and that's, you know, it's not, not going to be an instant thing like that. So yeah, having a plan, you know, somebody, you know, mentions like rationing your food and kind of figuring it out, but maybe also trying out some of these things, you know, doing a little fasting or a little something, you know, beforehand and kind of start to understand how your body reacts and how you feel and how your decisions are. Maybe not a bad idea, you know, maybe something worth trying out. Going three days without food isn't, uh, isn't the worst thing that most of us could do anyway. Just what Kevin, what are you trying to say? You know? (laughs) Yeah, no, exactly. No, but I mean, testing out, seeing how you, how your body functions, how you function, you know, how your brain works. I can tell you this, one or two days without any food, with reasonable amount of water, you know, to maintain your hydration, that sort of stuff, it'll give you a lot of mental clarity. You know what I mean? But 
after that, it's a quick, it's a quick, it gives, it gives you mental clarity. Your brain is doing that so that you can find something to eat. But after that, it's, it goes downhill fast. It gives you that quick boost, right? Mm-hmm. Now, another scenario, right? We're, you know, we're talking about the bad decisions and the things you have to do. What about there was that movie, uh, 127 Hours? So it's Aaron Ralston. Right. This uh-huh. is the guy, he's out hiking. He's in the, uh, the whatever, the Stone Mountains uh, desert, I guess. Desert's where I'd go. And, I mean, based on the, the clips from the movie, I don't know. I couldn't sit through a movie like that. I, I, I couldn't do it. I but watched it. It took about 170, 27 hours to get through the damn movie, though. Right. Just right. kept That's going right. and going. Right. But uh-huh. basically, he falls down into a ravine, and, and a rock breaks loose and comes down. And what happens is his wrist, his hand gets pinched between the rock, where just kind of it's exposed about it, his wrist. Right. And... What had happened was the rock will say, I mean, I'm guessing looked like it weighed about a hundred, 150 pounds, but it's above him and pinching his wrist. Like, and it's kind of wedged in between the cliff. Right. Like he's in like a ravine, you know, in a, mm-hmm. in a, right. A, it's wedged between uh, the two rock and it's walls. Wedged between the two. So one, it's wedged. So you have resistance there, but two, you have nowhere to stand. You're exhausted, whatever. And he can't push the rock back up to free his hand. And, mm-hmm. and that's basically how that plays out. But he's forced where either I'm going to be dehydrated and die for sure. Mm-hmm. Or all I have is my like pocket knife or Leatherman, I think it was. And how, and you know, I got to cut my wrist off so I can get out of here and go get help and get, you know, right. Get water and food and, and live. How do you, do you do that? I mean, I, I'm sure there are people who would just die in that situation that they right. could not bring themselves to do that. And, and that's the thing, like even in, in fights though, um, I don't know, do you have insight you wanted to touch on with that one? Or is that enough? Uh, gore? Yeah, that, I mean, that, I think I mean, that one there. is one that really grosses me out because he had to break his own bones. Yeah. Cause you can't just cut through your, your middle of your arm, you know? Right. So he had to break his own but bones and, thought, and cut it. But yeah. Oof. Yeah, and that's, that's it. Don't do dumb shit like that. I do dumb shit like this all the time. This is definitely something that could happen to me. Yeah, um, that's it. When you go, you know, they say, oh, don't go hiking alone. Well, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, you can't always find somebody to go with you, and sometimes you got to get out in the woods. Exactly. That's my, don't do my take, but yeah, that's dumb shit to do. But, that's, I mean, I do dumb shit all the time. That's and, and, one of my hobbies is doing dumb shit, you know? That's it. You know, it just takes, like, the wrong scenario one little mistake you know you're going and Mm -hmm. the you know the copperhead bites you in the leg and you're like oh and like i said that may not be the deal ender but that may change things down a horrible path and then the next thing you know yeah so a lot of these a lot of these situations though it's it's really something that you have to think about uh ahead of time before you get in a situation like that are you willing to break your own arm and cut your hand off I don't know. That's a big ask, but after five days of not eating anything, maybe you start making some crazy decisions and that's something that's worthwhile. And that's the thing. I mean, 127 hours, you know, you're like, oh, well, that's not, you know, these other people we just talked about went, you know, a lot further. However, he's in the middle of the desert and he's not even, you know, able to move. He's got, you know, there's Mm -hmm. issues there, but there's so many other things that you kind of need to 
confront mentally. And I think that's one of the things, you know, we talked about going without food and, and stuff like that. That's a big deal. But what happens when your babies are starving? When, you know, right. what are you willing to do? Are you willing to break into somebody's house and take from, you know, at first you're like, oh, well, you know, there's some empty houses on the, in the neighborhood. Cause uh, whatever apocalypse happened in EMP and these other people, I know they were away on vacation in Bermuda. Do I break into their house and take some of their food? Maybe you tell yourself, well, I'm just borrowing it, you know, right, I'll pay them back. back to normal. Yeah. I'll, I'll give them back my, their food. Or maybe you're like, nope, I'm moral and I'm above that. And then everybody else comes and takes from that family. Right. right? So that house has been looted right. and whatever, the, the grocery there, right? store, right? Mm -hmm. The grocery store on the corner, that's already been looted. You didn't do it because you're not that kind of person. Right. Okay? So you didn't take anything from the grocery store. Now you kind of have nothing left. And now your kids are hungry. And what do you do? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, now the only person left to take is, uh, you know, you're seeing, oh, there's guys at the end of the road and they went to all the empty houses and they took all the stuff and they have a lot at their house. They have a lot of stuff. I, there. I can yeah. see a lot of supplies there and I feel like, you know, they should share, but they're not. They stole it, you know? And, and I mean, is it rightfully theirs? So is it okay if I take from them? Cause they're bad right. people. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Or maybe you go down the road a little further and because those guys, you can't overpower them anyway. Now, what about the family next door? I mean, that guy, it's only him and his wife and they're old. Right. They're and old your people. kids, your kids are young and they got to eat and they're crying every day, you know, and the little daddy, I'm starving. I could mm -hmm. die. Or maybe they're at the point where that's how they were two days ago, but now they're not even talking. Right. And they're just sitting there. Mm -hmm. And now what do you do? What's the answer? Yeah, they say that uh, that the lower your income becomes, okay, the more prone you are to believe stealing is, is okay. So that's not just saying that poor people are more likely to steal, but that's saying that the less money you have going forward, you know, the less resources you have, the less things you have, the more likely morally you will, would be to say that it's okay to steal to feed your kids. But what if your kids, what if your kids don't like bread? You know what I mean? What if they mm -hmm. like something else? Like, I don't know, cigarettes, you know, mignon. maybe okay. your kids, you know, like whiskey. I don't know what they do. I mean, I don't know what your kids are into. Not, not every kid loves, loves chocolate. Okay. So, I mean, is that okay to steal? Maybe you need to hijack a truck full of cigarettes to take care of your family. It's only right. That's what they want. You know, exactly. take care of your family. Kevin, this is all Just about justifying your, your attraction to whiskey. Isn't it? This is, this is all hypothetical A roundabout way. <laughs> I mean, I know you were like, Oh, well, cigarettes and whiskey. That sounds right. Yeah. That's, that's, that's my, Oh, my well that truck food. that crashed with the good cigars. I mean, you know, yeah. Yep. Like they could even find a market in the apocalypse. For you know what I'm saying? Cigars. By the time they get out here and clean all these cigars up, they're yeah. all going to have gone bad out in the and sun like to be that? honest, the people they could distribute them to, are they uh, really going to appreciate it like you'd appreciate it? <laughs> exactly. That's, exactly. You know, yeah. you got to have but I mean, standards. It, is, it definitely is something that, um, 
you know, a lot of people like to think that their morals are set in stone, but there's been study after study showing that the worse of a situation you're in, the more stuff you can, you would justify and you can justify right. doing. And that's now here's the next scenario, <laughs> right? So, all right, you have food set aside and you're making a road trip. You're going to Aunt Susie's in, uh, in two states away, right? Mm-hmm. And because she's got the big farm and they have a pond and they have, you know, a big cornfield. And I know that she has 20 cows. And if we can just make it to Aunt Susie's farm, we're going to live. And this is after maybe an EMP strike, right? Right. And so nobody's moving, no food's coming, no resupply because it's, we'll say, you know, hackers and, and EMPs. <clears throat> Basically took out, you know, 50% of the world and everybody's going to take a while. So nobody else is coming for, you know, support or aid. Right. And so anyway, so you're going to go to Susie's. You're two states away. You got a road trip. It's going to take one to two weeks. You don't know road roadblocks or who knows what you're going to encounter as you make this trip. But you have three days worth of food for you and your family at eating, we'll say 1500 calories a day. So you're kind of rationing it and you can move and you have enough water just for each day. And you might have maybe a water filter, but you don't know what you're going to find or what the world's going to permit. Now Mm -hmm. you're going ends up you're three, four, five days into this trip and you're still not there, but you still have we'll say 2000 calories worth of food, you know, between the three of you. And it's just you, your wife and your little kid, you know, your three year old or whatever. And you come across a mother who's got a baby who's barely hanging on and they just need a little water and a little something. Do you give them a granola bar that you know is going to be something that causes your, or do you kind of say to yourself, you know what, this person isn't going to make it because mm-hmm. you giving them water or food today. <clears throat> where are right. they going to be? They're going to have food to eat tomorrow. The, <clears throat> you're, are, and are you taking away from your family who you're obligated as a man or whatever to take care of, or as a mm-hmm. mother to take care of your children? Right. You're responsible you know? for those kids. And if you're a man, you're responsible for your, your whole family. But, but then are you, you heartless or are you, do you have no compassion? You don't care about, you know, anybody else or, you know, how does that work? Are you like, well, you know, God will provide. Well, maybe God did provide when he had you prepare and set aside those granola bars and right. whatever mm-hmm. that, you know, that's, that's people always say, you know, you know, there's that, that joke about the guys like, well, you know, I, I'm stuck on this Island and, and God's going to save me. I prayed about it. And a guy comes by in a boat and he's like, Hey, you know, look, I got this nice boat here. I can give you a ride back to the shore. And the guy's like, no, you know, I'm waiting for God. He's going to, he's going to save me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then somebody else comes by and, and is like, Hey, you know, I can help you out. You know, I'm, I'm a good swimmer. I can pull you. We can, we can make it. And no, no, I'm waiting on God. He's going to help me. And then ends up starving to death and dies. And mm-hmm. he meets God and God's like, Hey, you know, he's like, what, why'd you abandon me? You know, why'd you leave me on that Island? And God's like, 
dude, I sent a guy with a freaking boat. Like, what do you want? Right. And you know, exactly. I mean, that's the thing you, you are obligated to take care of yours. And I'm not saying you don't help people. I'm saying you need to think about your actions. Now yeah. it's really easy to help people when you've got plenty. There's, you know? there's another scenario though, where you start giving out food and be the guy, Oh, they have enough that they can give some out. Mm-hmm. That means that's the guy I need to rob and to take from. Right. You He's know? got extra. And, and that's the thing, you know, uh, uncle whiskey says, help the stranger and send them packing. Maybe, maybe that's the right answer, but it, it depends how well prepared you are and how capable you are to replace what you have, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's something to understand. But one of the things I've seen in one of the prepper novels and I thought was a really good idea was even when they had access, like, so think about if you had, like, I think in the, in the novel I read, it was about, they had a ton of wheat, they had some wheat silos and they were able to make loaves of bread and they were able to kind of give it to people. But or if maybe you have a well, right? So you have endless supply of clean water because you have a well that you can access and whatever, mm-hmm. then maybe you uh, you offer it out, but you offer it in trade. Um, what happens then is it creates a mindset of it's not a free unlimited resource. Right. And, you know, and maybe you're lenient on what you accept in those trades, but trading your commodities versus just being a uh, here's free stuff mm-hmm. really help you out. It might create a better community and a better something. And maybe you can use those trading supplies in order to uh, in order to you know help other people in the future. So I'm just saying these are things that you know you might want to think about. Looters right. and beggars. Yeah, feed would- the looters to the beggars. <laughs> Smart. Yeah, I, I think a lot of these uh, a lot of these stories um, people romanticize. You know yes. what I mean? Like, I'd be the biggest badass. You know, I'd yep. be the one that would make it. You know, I'd be the one. And uh, I can't tell you how many stories I read uh, this past week of like Arctic exploration and stuff, where you know they're trying to find the Northwest Passage or they're trying to cross right. Antarctica. A bunch of people trying to do dumb shit that they shouldn't have been doing, and they get stuck. Ship gets frozen into the the ice. They're right. on ice. There's no food. There's no vegetation. There's no. They have supplies, maybe, but how are they going to stay warm? They got to break that ship up. Then they're really screwed, right? right? right. So you start walking. You start walking six hundred. You know, a hundred, two hundred miles across nothing but snow, with only what clothing that you you're able to scavenge together and maybe none of it's waterproof. I read a lot of these stories about guys that were stuck on, you know, next to the ocean soaking wet with no waterproof gear, no wool, no. And, you know, they'd go hiking from, you know, from this point to that point where they know that there's a city and people start dropping off, you know? Yeah. And maybe, maybe the last guy gives up five miles away from, getting to to civilization and safety you know but yeah. nobody's gonna carry you they're all dying too you know <laughs> and everyone thinks that they're badass but if they knew that that town was only five more miles away would they be able to do it right do you have enough you know? resolve you know who knows right 
And I those t- types of situations, you know, when you go that long, you know, freezing with frostbite, your toes and fingers are just, you know, falling off at this point. You're losing appendages. How how much are you willing to tolerate? How much pain can you go through before right. you lay down and die? But I think like the reason we, we wanted to touch on this and, and one of the things that, you know, why we went down this long road here is it should make you think about how you prepare, you know, are you going to one, how are you going to deal with predators and looters and, and friendly people, you know, who need help, you know, you can't help everybody, but maybe it also makes you think about how much you store how you store your food, where you put it, you know, how do you keep it safe? How do you uh, have enough? Do you, you know, have it all out and exposed and you're out barbecuing, you know, when things go bad or whatever. Now I understand day one or day two of a bad situation, people are probably, you know, cooking out the stuff that was in the refrigerator that they don't have yeah, a way to gonna store. There's going to be a lot of barbecues gonna be on a that lot first of that. couple of days. Yeah. And, you know, no worries. But the... uh with that, you still might want to put enough stuff that uh, aside that you might be able to help other people. You know, maybe you have some kind of long-term ration food that, you know, is cheap and you can have in bulk or whatever, you know, an extra 50 pound bag of rice than what you were normally planning, you know, mm. 25 bucks, but you can kind of fill some bellies. But again, if you look like the well-stocked guy and you come out right out of the gate, you know, then everybody's like, hey, we should, uh, we should, um, anyway, sorry, I'm looking at the comments and realizing you guys are all jerks. <laughs> um, yeah, but you should have enough to help out other people or, you know, who knows, you know, they all turn on you. And if you show your stores and let people know what you're really dealing with, they're going to be like, Hey, we should all put it, pull everything together. We're all right. Let's all put our, yeah. Yeah. I've got three hot dogs. What do you got? (laughs) Yeah. I got three hot dogs and you have that 200 pounds of rice. You know, that's the thing, but maybe if you plan, you can help, but again, make sure, that you're setting things up in some kind of barter or trade way where people understand that it's not an endless supply and it's not because, you know, it takes a long time for people to, uh, you know, accept the idea that help may not be coming mm-hmm. you know, or that right. things, you know, cause they've always known the government to take care of things, right? You guys have always seen the government do such a bang up job, you know, solving problems. Why wouldn't they solve problems with a, you know, a major catastrophe? Anyway, Uncle Whiskey, Slow Burn, all you guys who make it to the the live show, I appreciate it. I appreciate you guys are here. And damn, you know I can't keep focused. You know I can't look over at the chat and, uh, you know, when Kevin starts mm-hmm. talking, I can kind of sneak in a glance or whatever. But man, it falls apart quick when I start reading things. I yeah. just... I'm paralyzed and I'm like, ah, I don't know. All right. So if you guys want to get a get a hold of us and give us some ideas, show ideas, prepping badass at gmail.com. Um, what's our Patreon, Chuck? Patreon. Patreon.com slam prepping badass. And if you head over there and you commit to a little pledge, you uh we might have a free mug 
that you get with your support. Maybe a mm-hmm. survival and basic badass t-shirt, you know, something pretty cool like that. Um, we also can get badass gear at preppingbadass.com. Just up at the top, click on gear. Uh, you can find cool stuff. Um, actually, I've heard nothing but good reports on the uh, shirts and stuff lately. Good I know in the past, I was like, we're going to redo it and we're going to make it better <laughs> or whatever. Well, we've gotten stuff, you know, checked out and now things seem like they're, uh, you know, a little higher level of quality. So if you guys are looking for some cool gear, you might want to check that out. Um, otherwise, I would say stay safe. And we will talk to you guys next week.